Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Dr. Linda Ulrich, who is the founder of the Goodness Exchange. Dr. Linda, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much, Timothy. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on the show. And we'd like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Okay. So, so Timothy, um, what uh what sends me soaring what i like to do what i consider fun is being with what i call a maven (laughs) that um i was just educated about the actual meaning of a maven um the other day but the way we i've used the the word maven for 25 years in my professional life and now with the goodness exchange a maven is somebody who loves to tell other people about good things like really recommending and and um elevating others by sharing what they stumble upon that's great and so that's what i've been doing um both personally and professionally and um in my side life i i can't get away from it i just love to elevate other people so you know, I might be a fantastic gardener, but I'm doing it so I can cook fantastic food for all the people I love. Or um, what I love to do is I make giant metal sculptures out of found objects like life-size. Um, I have a life-size T-Rex, a life-size Stegosaurus, and a, um, a life-size Pterodactyl. You know, that's the big dinosaur that flies in my front yard. So for fun, I do welding and metal. Yard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the front yard of, our, our, of my dental practice. My husband and I have a big dental practice in St. Albans, Vermont. And the front yard, everybody knows where Fiddlehead Dental is because there's a life-size Stegosaurus in the front yard that's head and tail moves in the wind. That is epic. Yeah, so that's a little about me. I love to, to elevate the lives of others, and I do that by in art and gardening and do wilderness canoe camping, and those are the things that make my heart soar. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit more about the Goodness Exchange and what you're doing with that. Yeah, so the Goodness Exchange, Timothy, started um, back in my professional life. So uh, my husband and I are both dentists. We we grew up in a small town in Illinois where we were childhood sweethearts. And my dad was the kind of doctor um, that you had his home phone number and he took care of you birth to death. Um, he did surgery. He met you at the emergency room when your kid needed 40 stitches. He delivered your baby, the whole thing. And um, we saw the ultimate in service to humanity. We saw the ultimate in the old school kind of physician that lived to, uh, to, um, to protect the lives of others. And so my husband and I could see that, dent- that medicine was going the direction it has, where we all kind of feel like a number, unless we're really, really lucky um, with some doctor that's pretty rare now. Uh, so we became dentists instead because we thought we'd have a better chance at creating a, a life that, um, that was both personally satisfactory and did not go this way that people have been numbers so often in healthcare. And um, so all through our lives, we built this dental practice that <laughs> we were fighting to keep the humanity in healthcare by finding something to celebrate with every single person who came in. 
So I know most people don't think of a celebration as part of their relationship with their dentist, but, um, but what we took this strange path and, and, you know, people come to their dental appointment with Chuck and I on the day their spouse dies, they'll keep their dentist appointment because they know that they, that they have this long loving, deep, um, trusting relationship with Chuck and Chuck and I will find something to celebrate on that day. We will say, oh, that Rob, I'll never forget him telling us about his barbecue and how much he loved doing that for your whole family or whatever. Um, my husband and I both have a deep abiding um, commitment to make people feel taller when they walk away from us. And I think that's something that's very, very needed in this world. Um, and so what happened was we were very much paying attention to the sentiments of ordinary people all through those years in dentistry because we had these deep relationships and conversations with everyone. And we started to notice in about 2008 that people started to have a really um, serious sense that the future was failing them or was going to fail. Now, if you think about what happened in 2008, there was a, you were too young probably to, to even know this, Timothy. Yeah. But uh, in 2008, there was a great crash. There was a great economic crash. There was a housing boom that went, you know, it, just, it was just a nightmare. People lost their jobs. And and then we got through the, the, the rise of social media that was constantly dragging us down and the fighting and the division started and things were really going bad by about 2013. <laughs> and I started to notice that my patients who died otherwise known as super cheerful were just um, knuckles dragging. It was really profound. We couldn't celebrate. We couldn't seem to get in that rhythm with people as much. So uh, one day I got an email from a young man who I'd known since he was a toddler. He was writing me from a foxhole in a very bleak place in the world. And um, he was asking for evidence that it was still a, a good world because all that he saw around him and all that he heard from home was pretty darn nasty. And uh, I, I just, he, and he turned to me. <laughs> And he turned to me as Dennis. He wrote his Dennis an email. How weird is that? But I think he did that because I'd found something to celebrate every time he he was in, with me. And and I guess I was the one he thought of when he needed hope. So that really was a tipping point for me. For for people who listen to your podcast, who um, who kind of have this feeling that that this nagging feeling that they're not exactly doing what they're uniquely built to contribute. I had that feeling. Uh, even though I was doing great dentistry, I was fixing teeth with computers in 2003. Um, I had little tiny internal cameras in people's mouths in 1997. So I was doing very high level, very good work and loving people and all that. But I just felt like there was something more that I was uniquely built to contribute. And that day when I got that email, I knew what it was. I knew that I also, I, I've been a writer and a, and a global traveler all my life. And I, and I knew that the world was far better than the world we were seeing on the, on, on the TV, on, in the news and on social media. So that day I went on a great search of the internet to find someplace to send this young boy for signs of hope that there was goodness and progress in the world. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I went on maybe a 14 hour search. Luckily, sent that email on on the last day of the week because I really pretty much endlessly searched the internet for some place with no politics and no agenda, no no commercial agenda, no ads, where this this young person could find um, signs of the amazing world that I'd seen with my own eyes out there. 
<laughs> no, nothing. And finally, after about hour 15, I just snapped and I, I, I committed to writing one article every day on anything under the sun to prove it is still an amazing world. And I found a local kid who, who could build me a passion project kind of website. And I did that. I wrote one article every day on anything under the sun to prove it was still an amazing world about things I knew about in the news or I, I'm a great reader. So I knew where to look. I, I'm a science buff. So that went on for about two years. <laughs> and that project is called Ever Widening Circles. And um, fortunately, um, my, my daughter, I have an older daughter that graduated from Harvard. And she looked at the whole world of nonprofits. We kind of raised our kids to want to be the kind that give back to the world. And she graduated from Harvard, could have worked for almost any nonprofit in the world. And she she sat me down one day on the porch and said, Mom, if you'll build a real website, I'll 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 come join you. <laughs> yeah. So six months after that, we built the big website with the big money. And um and uh six months after that, we went viral. We made it to the front page of Reddit. And 1.7 million people jumped on our pod on, on our website on the same Hour. And then we knew that we had something that the world wanted. Signs of hope and insight and innovation that was just totally going uncelebrated in the world. So we're back to that sense of celebration. That's what I do. I'm, I'm a maven. I celebrate the things that we aren't hearing nearly enough about. And so the Goodness Exchange is the, the um, extension of, of the ever-widening circles, because by the time uh, the pandemic arrived, we had five platforms, all different kinds of platforms that we created to elevate goodness in the world and progress. And it was just too much to manage. So the goodness exchange now is way more than a website. Um, the goodness exchange is more like a landscape and we have more planned, but it's like a landscape where people can find possibility and find their their possibilities in the stories of others. We've got, I've got a podcast called the Conspiracy of Goodness Podcast. And then there's a thousand articles there on the Goodness Exchange about innovators who are just, we're ordinary people like you and I, who stumbled upon this, that, and the other, and then became these people who are now out there solving some of the world's greatest problems. Um, and um, most importantly, there's a, a social media community there uh, called the Conspiracy of Goodness Network. And that is what we need in this world. We need a social, um, a social network completely devoted to people with good intention and good ideas. And there's a little bump in the road to be a part of the, of the Guinness Exchange Network. So we're going to keep the folks who just want to build chaos and drama. We're going we're gonna to keep them out. <laughs> I hate to say it that plainly, but that's what we're going to do. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> It's a story. I'm sorry it took that long. My answers will be much shorter, but that's a journey. Um, and that's that's what I understand you're all about, yeah. is the journey of following your dreams and, and hopes and living a life um, that is well-lived. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tell us, um, well, I guess the listeners, I bet, are expecting kind of the typical, let's just make sure we're, your motivation's clear. Is that motivation, like being that maven, making sure people leave feeling taller when they walk away? Yeah, I love yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, growing up with somebody like my, my mom was a nurse. She was an incredible, incredible person. She was orphaned by age 11 and crossed the United States all by herself, coast to coast, to find a long lost aunt uh, at age 11. Um, 
and and made it and lived. <laughs> but with somebody like that and somebody like my dad as as people who who taught us to be kinder than we need to be, that's that's what they did every day. They 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 were done wrong just like all of us. There's so much unfairness in the world and all that stuff. And they always just modeled being kinder than you need to be kinder than the situation calls for. And my husband grew up in a household very, very um, similar in tone that way, where people would just, <laughs> his family is the nicest people in town. So together, you know, we could, we could not help but wind up in places of service to others, in, in the website, in the way we volunteer in our community, in the way we run our dental practice. Um, and this goes back to the motivation. Our motivation, it, it was set by the um, ups and downs in our childhood. I don't want you to think um, that we had it made. Both of us have tra survived childhood tragedies, which I'd rather not talk about. But um, but it's there, and and it's definitely part of my motivation to prove it's still an amazing world. Because I would rather um, define humanity not by by that one experience, but by by all the experiences I have every day um, with good people doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that um, you've taken advantage of your ability to like choose what you focus yeah. on. And it's something that I think a lot of people miss out on. So thank you for doing that. Uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into your dreams and goals. You've told us a lot about the goodness exchange already, but what is your vision for that and just the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I really look at goals um, as, as mileposts to just kind of check a kind of a check-in thing really i like to think of purpose my purpose as some aspirational landscape some something i will never achieve there's no end to it it's like the difference between a story and a narrative i i had a, a podcast guest the other day explain to me that story this the, that difference a story has a beginning a middle and an end so we're all walking around with stories in our heads about ourselves and each other and the life we're living and all that. And this guy, his angle is to really think of your life and yourself as a narrative that's just ongoing and developing. Like he says, he never wants to be called, be considered woke. Be considered because woke. And the reason is because woke means you've stopped. Woke means you're done. You've, you've achieved some level of insight, right? He would rather always be awakening. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and when, I, when I think of my motivation, my purpose, and, and this whole journey, I, I learn from all the people that I talk to, as I'm sure you do, and, um, and it's made me a lifelong learner. So I literally never meet anybody that I don't think, oh, this person has got something for me. I just wait in the conversation, even if it's a stranger in the grocery store or what have you, somebody who's being unpleasant. I think, oh, there's something here for me to learn. And um, I look for it. So that's, that's um, I think that's part of, of the landscape that I'm, I'm looking at. So to pin me down on certain things is pretty hard because my goals are just mileposts. Okay, so I'll give you some hard goals. Um, we would like to change the negative dialogue about our times. That's what the goodness exchange is about. We would like enough people to know that what we see on the news and the social media is 
only a slice of reality. It's just a small slice. And that there is this enormous wave of goodness and progress happening in the world that almost no one knows about yet. So one of my goals, a mile post, is to get 25% of people to know that this is an amazing world and to know the kind of insights that we write about and, and celebrate every day at the Goodness Exchange, 25%. So that's, if you had to pin me down, Dr. Linda, give me a goal. Now, my dream is that, um, is that we can open a new era, that we can put all this behind us. We can look at it about like we look at the, the, uh, the harshness of the 1960s. There were super good things happening, but there's a super, that was a rough decade, man. Seriously, think of the things that society was going through there. Um, that we will one day look at the chapter that we've just been through for the last 10 years, the way we look at the 1960s as pretty rough, rough and that we can actually open a new era. So that's my dream is to get enough people on this planet to know that it is still an amazing world and, and start celebrating it and adding to being part of that. Um, and 25% do it. There's some neuroscience on that because the, once you meet 25%, the rest is, um, is all something that occurs like a domino effect. There's some science to that. Gotcha. I love that. There was a there was a celebrity guy, like an actor, who kind of did something like a very small chunk of the Goodness Exchange as a YouTube series. Yeah. You hear about this? When he was is, that, that, is that Nasser? Do you know who Nasser is? I do not know who Nasser is. Yeah, he is really huge. Um, I'm trying to get him in my podcast. Uh, I think he has millions and millions and millions and millions of followers. He's a really cool guy. I think he's from maybe Lebanon. I'm not sure. Um, so there are lots. This is this is a better answer to your question. There are some amazing people in this world trying to elevate um, a different perspective about possibility. David Byrne. He was uh, he's the former head of the Talking Heads band. He's got a, or he did have a positive news web website. Um, Bronson, um, who's the Bronson guy? He owns Virgin Airlines. Richard Branson. Richard Branson. He tried kind of a positive news thing, and I think the guy made. Are you talking about this comedian that during the um, that during the pandemic started? Yeah. And he's from the yeah. office. He's from the yeah. Yes, he's from the office. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah. And so I'll tell you what, uh, that kind of came and went. And I'll tell you why I think it came and went. Because to do this properly, to do good news properly, you, it takes a lot of work. There's a reason why we only publish every other day one polished article. Because in good news, I think trust is the most important factor. How many times have you heard a bit of a piece of good news and like your instinct is to like knock it down, like say, yeah, but uh, uh, that's too good to be true. I don't think that's right. You know, like this is what people do to good news. We've, we've all been so conditioned that we instantly try and poke holes in where that, that good news came from. And um, so to do good news, right, you have to do incredible amount of research. You can only cite, uh, oh, well, at least the way we look at it, you can only cite in, impeccable sources. You can't just pull stuff out of thin air that could be debunked quickly. And I bet I'm assuming that they found just what we have by doing good news for nine years is that um, it's not that easy. You, you really, to do it right, you have to 
Um, you have to do it in the most trustworthy fashion possible. And that's not something you can throw together. So I'm pretty sure that may have disappeared from the same weight that we we found um, is, is hard to support if you're trying to churn stuff out like that. You just can't churn it out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. I think it did disappear. And I don't know. I don't even know what his intentions were. I just know. Um, it was wonderful. It was very funny. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And no, I was just like, I'm a big uh, kind of connector, like very similar to you being a maven, yeah. like a like super connector. And so anytime I see people doing similar things, I'm like, y'all should clear yeah. <laughs> yeah. up. But um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, I can add. I, I should add too that I think trust is the number one thing missing in our in our in the in our digital lives. Is that trust is just crushed? <laughs> There's just no more trust left in the system. There, it's a big institutional gap of our online lives. So anybody who tries it with the best intentions um, is going to find a, to keep up that level of quality is quite something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I guess I mean strain a little bit from the script here if you have anything to say on this what um how do you go about building trust in the digital age um mm -hmm. when it's been broken and torn down so much yeah yeah so um so on the goodness exchange i'll just give you a bunch of examples on the goodness exchange you know when you're reading an article on the internet you see something with a little line under it inline citation Okay, so we don't use in, inline citations. If you see something, in a, we do Harvard citations down at the bottom of it, you'll see the little numbers. So, so when we write, write a statistic, when we write anything that's outside sourced, it's numbered, you can find exactly where it came from at the bottom of every article, the old fashioned way. And you can trust every single one of those sources. We're talking Smithsonian, NASA, that level. Um, we only source to institutions that have something really important to lose if they fail. Gotcha. You know, I was talking to a friend about the vaccination the other day, and um, I don't want to stray into that category, but she was telling me all the things she'd read online. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, Brittany, I, I said, um, go directly, just do whatever the Mayo Clinic is to do. They have 250 years of reputation on the line. Yeah. They are the most trusted medical institution in the world. Shakes and kings and everyone come to the Mayo Clinic. They're not going to put anything online that they wouldn't, you know, go to the, go fight to the bitter end for. You know, we have got to use some critical thinking when we, when we, when we um, source our information just as individuals. And we use a lot of critical thinking um, in, in skills in trying to decide whether this or that source is, uh, it would be considered impeccable by anyone. Because we don't do politics, nothing. I'm, we're straight down the middle. We wouldn't touch politics with 10 foot pole. So we want to make sure everybody's sensibilities feel, um, hurt, feel included at the Goodness Exchange. and. Um, to do that, you have to pick sources who have been um, not divisive, not outlandish, not playing the game in the attention economy of the internet, just going along, doing the right thing. So 
That's one thing. Um, on the Goodness Exchange, if you do see something underlined, that's going to only take you to some place within the website that reference that that references. We're not going to take you to some weird outside source where you're going to see, you know, uh, some crazy advertisements for, you know, big boobs and male enhancement. No. <laughs> We would never, ever send people to an outside source with an inline link. Um, you know, people pay for that. You know that that that's a that's an industry in itself, right? Affiliate marketing. Yeah, I get I get um, emails every single day from people that want to pay me to put a citation or add them to an article. They're always sending me our articles and where they would fit in just perfectly. Um, so we have never paid to play. Timothy. And that has been, that's been very hard um, because uh, I'm the sole sponsor of this giant internet um, project so far. Um, and we did that because we've really felt like trust was the number one gap um, on the internet for getting any kind of movement and coming together and celebrating what's possible. And so <laughs> there it is for everybody. And now we have a, we have a very, very, um, minimal membership fee now it's two dollars a month um <laughs> because I, I well yeah we it has to be sustainable of course it's gotten so big now that i, I a dentist could not possibly um sustain it now the size it is but i still want the little girl in pakistan carrying water on her head to be able to access these articles and we have we have thousands and thousands of facebook fans all over the world and so um so the membership um thing makes it so you don't have to take advertising and do all those crazy things that break down trust yeah absolutely i love mm -hmm. that well awesome let's uh hear a little bit more you kind of talked about how you took your first step you had um somebody that you knew since they were like yeah. then kind of write to you and request it do you have mm -hmm. any more that you want to share about that story or maybe some of yeah them? did you encounter any i'm curious limiting beliefs or adversity while growing the goodness exchange mm -hmm. Yeah. So, of course, almost everyone thought I was completely crazy. Wait, <laughs> high tech dentist. <laughs> what the heck are you doing starting a good news website? Nope. It just doesn't make sense. And um, <laughs> uh, so, yes, this is one of the things I tell people. Um, okay. In finding what you're uniquely built to contribute in this world, because that's where the sweet spot is. I, before we, I'll just, I'll just uh, complete before we started recording today, you know, I was asking Timothy what his motivation was, what his story was and all that. And, um, and he said, just the right answers, by the way, that, that <laughs> um, he, he said he was searching um, and, and, and excited. Uh, he was searching to create a life that was exciting to him and that, that fed his soul. And he didn't say it just that way. I'm putting, I'm paraphrasing, of course, um, in, you know, <laughs> in middle-aged woman language. Um, he was much more articulate than I just was. Um, but anyway, he indicated to me exactly what I see the very, um, the very most, the very happiest people are doing right now. They're following something that brings that light, that lights them up and that they feel, and this is, this, this is not, not unimportant. Most people are choosing things that light them up, that light others up to. Mm. And you mentioned that you, 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 you knew, you know, that there's a, 
there's a back and forth going on here between people who love the guests you're talking to and how you, your style here and so forth. And that's really, really important that we all go out and find what we're uniquely built to contribute. So the thought I want to add to people's way of thinking is that I did some research on this. I think the word purpose may be um, overused already. If not, it's going to become, but find your purpose, all that stuff. I wish there were better words, <laughs> but I haven't found them. Have you found them? I've not. Okay. So let's go with find your purpose. Uh, for Even though it's cliche, let's talk about that. So when I did some research about how people find their purpose, now my story is but one example. It um, It's this... Um, it's this, you know, you have this nagging feeling, you have this nagging feeling, you have this nagging feeling, and you just hold on. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other in at, at where you're at, and you keep um, you keep your eyes open, you contribute where you can. Of course, I was contributing in a great way to people's lives, so it wasn't like I was doing something unfulfilling. I was very fulfilled. Um, and then one day, the, the, the event presents itself, where it just, it, it's almost like, it's almost like you've been walking along in a room that didn't have enough air and you didn't realize you hadn't been exhaling. And then all of a sudden, it's just there. And that happened to me. This, hap this is the way it happens to a lot of people. The second way people tend to find purpose is that they, um, it happens to them quite by accident, usually a tragedy. That there, there's some science to this. There's a wonderful guy at Cornell. I uh, can't think of his name right now, but um, if you look up, there, he's a psychology professor at Cornell and you you put that in the search box with the with the word purpose I'll bet you find this guy so they did the research there's there's people that like me who keep putting one foot in front of the other and it, eventually there's that moment that aha moment then there's the people who have some kind of they're drawn unexpectedly into some kind of tragedy and they're changed forever and they they no longer cannot follow this path it's the it's the person who has a a a, a intensive care baby and goes off to become an intensive care nurse or you know it's this you know lots and lots of people who have some life-changing event i met my mom recently passed away and she was in that whole cycle of of being in an assisted living then a nursing home then then um hospice and i met all these great people that are called um cnas um certified nursing assistants and i would ask every one of them of why they do what they do because they're taking care of people at the most difficult point in life timothy every single one of them had some amazing story about a grandmother or an older person or what have you that that wasn't cared for properly and they they just devoted their lives to taking care of people at the most fragile part of life in really difficult situations this was something so this is the, the second way people find their purpose. Something dreadful happens and they are changed forever and they were pulled along into this new life that, that frankly, uh, to mind of mind, those are the most, the happiest people who have found purpose, even though they usually get to it through some tragedy. So the third way that people um, find their purpose very often is that they find themselves in a situation where they, have a, they are with a mentor. Um, I don't know how you actually wound up choosing this particular path, podcasting, because we didn't get that far in our conversation. Um, but I suppose you've had good mentors in your life, just from the small conversation that you and I had. I would bet you you've had person after person who have kind of helped you along the way. Am I right about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So mentoring is such an amazing part of the human experience. If you're doing it or if you're receiving it, oh, <laughs> it's the sweet spot. I bet you if you think about mentoring in the scope of human history, it probably existed 40,000 years ago in the caveman days. You had to teach some young person how to take down a mammoth, didn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> With a stick, right? Or how to stay alive during the times, um, you know, when slavery, when human slavery was just the way everything was done. I mean, mentoring can come in so many different ways, and it's it's good for the giver as it is for the receiver. And so that third way of finding your purpose is to just find your way into some mentoring situation, either being on the receiving end or on the giving giving end. And um, the fourth way is something that this Cornell scientist did not um, did not write about, but we see it all the time on, on the goodness exchange <laughs> is that people are an outsider and some event drags drags them to a new place and they see that their experience as an outsider can influence this thing that's so different from their world in some unique way i'll give you an example so um there's a guy named damien mander if people see a powerful ted talk radically powerful um put the word Damien Mander, M-A-N-D-E-R, in the search box um, at, with the word TED Talk. His TED Talk is one of the most powerful I've ever seen. So Damien Mander has figured out that single mothers make the best game wardens in Africa. Single mothers. Now, what is this? What? Don't you think of game wardens fighting organized crime and saving elephants and cheetahs and rhinos as big men walking around with big guns? guarding the rhinoceros. No, it turns out that single mothers make the best game wardens for a whole host of reasons. And Damien is a great example. He was a um, he was a sniper in the Iraq war. He was a counterinsurgency specialist. And when the Iraq war, Australian guy, he had he was paid by one of those companies, really good money to kind of like Blackwater to be, you know, like a hired gunman. So that was his life. He was that typical guy. And he tells a very funny story about who he was before the war ended and he went on vacation in Africa. And so he was on vacation in Africa on one of those touristy game drives. And all of a sudden they came around the corner and there was a wildebeest that had gotten caught in a leg hold trap, an illegal leg hold trap, and had torn her own leg off. And the driver, this driver of the of the of the vehicle got out and just acted in the most remarkable way to put this this animal out of its misery and even as i tell it i've got goosebumps head to toe and so this is how powerful his ted talk is and he had this moment where he said i know how to fix this this is war this is not like protecting cheetahs and this is way more. If this is what's happening with endangered species and wildlife poaching, then it is war and I know war. And he was right. Turns out all wildlife poaching in the world is, um, is or based in organized crime and the trade of animal parts. And he has, he has created this system he has, that's now being transported all over the world to protect wildlife. Um, do you know who a woman named Jane Goodall is? I feel like I've heard the name. She's one of the most famous conservation heroes ever. She was the woman who taught us that animals have emotional lives. She studied chimpanzees. She's a very famous 
for making it so that scientists couldn't keep chimpanzees in four by four cages anymore. She's in her 80s, could be 90 now. But anyway, James Goodall is on his board. That's how important his idea is. And um, so he's a good example of somebody that was just on vacation, sniper on vacation, <laughs> specialist on vacation. And he has this event happen right in front of him. And he has this outsider's view of what's possible. And he has created this enormous system in Botswana. Um, I'm not sure it's Botswana. No, Mozambique. Um, that is now being transported all over the world because he's 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 got such a fantastic idea that started with him coming in to conservation as an outsider he says he never even cared about animals at all never gave animals a second thought and now he devotes every waking minute to that cause so those are the four ways people find now i, I realize that two of them are quite happenstance related but the other two are not and the mentoring and the um and then just putting one foot in front of the other and trying things and being curious and studying and being more curious. And that path is the one I took. And um, and then that moment with that kid's email was just the tipping point. But I, if had, had I not been on that journey of constant curiosity, constant learning, um, constant be, constantly being open, um, I wouldn't have recognized that moment as the tipping point. I love that. I love that. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I want to move because um, I do have another podcast in 20 minutes. <laughs> so I want to make sure we kind of move through if there were one or two people that you could meet right now. And this could be a specific person or a type of person. They'd really help you take the next step. Mm -hmm. Getting 25% of people around the world to know about the goodness of the world. Who would they be and how would they do it? Okay, so my first, the first person, it happens to be Jane Goodall. Go. So um, the reason why Jane um, is one of the first people I could think of is because um, what Jane did was completely, um, completely transform the way human beings thought of themselves in relationship to other creatures on the planet. We did not literally think animals had emotional lives before Jane Goodall. We didn't even think our dogs had emotional lives and they were doing it right in front of us every day. I don't, I don't understand how humans could not have thought animals didn't have emotions, but we didn't until Jane came along. And the way she changed that whole system is by sitting down with scientist after scientist after scientist in her grateful way, great, graceful and grateful way. She wasn't chaining herself to the door of the, of the research institutes. She wasn't protesting and carrying on. There is a certain, there is absolutely a, a place for that kind of um, advocacy. But what she did was this graceful, just brought people into her stories and her lived experience until one by one, they couldn't keep animals like that in cages anymore, in four by four cages, because they understood that these chimpanzees were feeling, thinking beings of some, of some kind. Um, so I love that graceful way that she changed the world and I aim to do the same. Um, I, I aim to, I, I, I'm uninterested in creating enemies. I'm uninterested in division. I change the division to discovery all the time. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in comparison. I'm just interested in curiosity. And we all have those same sort of choices every day. And the second um, would be the founder of Patagonia. I think Patagonia is a great example of the companies of the future and it's been around for gosh i don't even know many decades so patagonia's founder has 
always been um, been devoted to the kinds of uh, ethics and the moral compass. Right now, that's happening in the in the in the uh, world of business is that more and more businesses are having to, you know, show us their values. And we're getting to choose whether we want to give our money to companies that value this versus that. And um, so Patagonia is, um, is a very great example of a company that I think is a future of, of business and bringing us all together around things that are, are um, going to give us all a better life and save the planet. And um, so I'd love to see how his, his mind works. And what he would tell the the advice he would give us as we try and navigate this this the goodness exchange and this uh, attempt to um, lift the message of goodness and possibility and progress up. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And what about the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to help you spread the word of the goodness exchange? Okay, I can make that a quick uh, and easy thing. There are four shifts that people can do after listening to me speak in this podcast. There are four shifts you can make to start seeing the same world I do on the screens in, in your life. Four simple shifts. You don't have to remember these. Um, you can go to fourshifts.com. Um, that's the number four. You can write out the word four, fourshift.com. We've created a, a really quick 10 minute read so that you don't have to remember um, these. And they, of course, it's more expansive than the answer I'm going to give Tim. But, but, the, but the short answer, Timothy, is that there are four simple things you can do when you go on the internet, on your phone, anywhere. When you're online, do these four things. Before you click on anything, pause because someone is counting every click you make. And what you click on, you get more of. That's what the algorithms are doing with every single thing we we connect with. They are even the the algorithms now are trained to notice how long our eyes lay on a piece of content. So by by pause before you click on anything, I mean a click, a swipe, a like, a, a comment, a share, any of that, anything you engage in, you will get more of. And if you want to see a better world, you're gonna have to do the second shift ignore more so we can literally ignore the chaos building into obscurity if just 25 percent of us start pausing and ignoring about 80 percent of what we used to click on and that sounds like a lot but really the internet now almost every bit of content on the internet is meant to trigger our amygdala that's our fight or flight part of our brain and um and so if we start ignoring all this chaos and content that's built to trigger our, our sadness, our anger, or our fear, that is about 80% of the content that's on the internet. So we will elevate things that go with my third shift, which is seek signs of, of goodness and progress. Your algorithms are looking for what you're seeking. You're seeing that, right? You're see you, you, you Google some consumer product, and then that's all you see for two days. That's the same is true of what you seek for content. So if you seek goodness and progress as content, your algorithms will start feeding you that. And the fourth shift is share. If you, when you find signs of goodness and progress, for gosh sakes, share it. If you're if you're on Facebook or Instagram or somewhere and you see a story about a ten year old who raised a thousand bucks for the Humane Society, just 
for gosh sakes, don't just like it, share it. Because we all know that a share can create a wave of its own and go out in giant, giant numbers. And that's how we start getting that kind of content to the top of the internet. If all we're sharing is our our bickering and our, you know, can you believe this or our whatever, our, <laughs> then that's what we get more of. We've got to share signs of goodness and progress. So that's it. Pause, ignore more, seek signs of goodness and progress. And when you see it, share it. There we go. I love that. You guys can uh, definitely go share the goodness exchange first and foremost, because that is one that consistently is putting them out. Um, yes. And that that is that is what we need people to do, because that's what we're built to do is elevate this narrative, this part of the story that we're we're built to make uh, to make to become multipliers for Timothy's work and everybody around the world that's working so hard to create a better future. Absolutely. There we go. There we go. Well, awesome. And again, that is at the four shifts, not the four shifts, but four shifts. Four shifts.com, the number four, or you can spell it out. Mm -hmm. Awesome. There we go. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. What's yes. your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Okay. Um, I really like a podcast called Hidden Brain. Hidden Brain is an NPR podcast. It's a neuroscientist. I know we already sound very boring. It is not. Hidden Brain is a podcast devoted to telling us how we are wired, how our minds work, and how that works in society. Um, you can you can find things there, everything from explaining how our minds work on everything from our working lives to our the way we interact with our kids to explain social media. The best the best episode on Hidden Brain is how outrage is hijacking our future. Whoa! I tell I I I tell a great deal of people about that one episode almost every day because it it totally explained explains what's happening on social in our social media lives and you will never look at social media the same again. How outrage is hijacking our future, hidden brain. So that's 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 a big one. And I I've turned so many people onto that podcast and we learn about ourselves and we learn about others. It it, it I can just listen to that one straight through for hours. Gotcha. Love it. I am a big fan of how the brain works. And I think understanding our brain, wow. another like book that taught me a lot about how we kind of form habits, Atomic Habits, it That's talks good. a little bit about how the brain works. Man, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I think I'm going to interview that that author pretty soon on the goodness, on, on the goodness exchange podcast. Not really sure, but I know we've got some feelers out there. That is a concept understanding how our brain works with habits is like the only way to improve our habits you just have to trick yourself almost or at least understand how you're wired and why you're doing it that 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 way that's not so good absolutely and what's one way you like to take care of yourself um let's see uh i really hmm. i'm very con contemplative i like time to just um to just to just be present with with myself and with my surroundings. Um, it, earlier in the podcast, you could see the body of water outside there. You know, I can sit and watch those waves and just have my mind uh, unoccupied, free, set, sort of set free um, for a good half hour a day. 
And that's the thing. We have so much head chatter, you know, mental chatter going on in our brains. I guess that's a better way to, to say, Timothy, to take care of myself. I, I find at least a half hour a day to completely shut out the mental chatter and to just be sort of present with myself with good thoughts and gratefulness. And um, boy, that's a, that's a big reset every single day. I love that. Do you have any tips for gratitude for those listening? Because I know it's something that I've heard. I'm really big into success literature. I've heard yeah. a lot of people who are successful talking about their life being rooted in gratitude, but I've had trouble feeling gratitude myself. Yeah. Like not thinking about gratitude. Like I think about things I'm grateful for, but actually feeling the gratitude, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So any tips for the audience and myself? Yeah. There is an amazing um, public speaker named Brother David Stendhal Raskin. Um, I think if you went as far as just to put Ted, Ted Talks, Brother David, you probably would find him. Um, he'd a, he's a Buddhist monk, and I'm not Buddhist or and, and I'm not religious at all. I'm very contemplative, but um, he has an amazing, amazing talk about the difference between happiness and gratitude. And it boils down to being able to say, there is no way that we can each be happy in every moment, but in every moment, we can find something to be grateful for. And that's a mental thing that it, it's like a muscle. You wouldn't expect to, to go and bench press, you know, 300 pounds tomorrow. <laughs> But, and there are moments in our lives that trying to think a grateful thought or a happy thought is like trying to bent press 300 pounds. I mean, we're all going through some stuff right now. And so what I've found um, that my brain automatically does now for a good decade is that, um, that I, I, I make a real conscious decision when something bad happens or even at the end of the day to, to just say this happened and I don't call it good. And I don't call it bad because as we all know, a lot of the bad things that happen to us turn out to be good in the scope of time. We later say, Oh, thank God that, that terrible thing happened because I never would have met my girlfriend or, or chosen my path or whatever it is. Right? So for me, that, that not labeling things good or bad, just saying this happened and staying in the moment allows me to be very, very grateful for things that happen along the way. So at night, my practice is to think back through my day. I just, I like to go to sleep in that state of mind. And I think about some things that happen sort of unexpectedly or or I had one notion of how that conversation with somebody was going to go and it turned out a completely different way. I just make mental notes about two or three things that were surprised that turned out surprisingly different or better or an opportunity opened up that I never dreamed was sitting right there. And when you go to bed with that kind of mindset uh, about possibilities, um, gratefulness is not something you have to work for. You just become that way. So I, I think that that may be what you're talking about. Like, I don't go to bed and say, I'm so grateful that all my children have their health or I, I don't do that. Yeah. I just think I'm so grateful I had the courage to have that hard conversation with that staff member or that, that I'm so grateful I, I didn't say, I didn't press send on that text to my brother after he made me so mad. 
Or I say, I'm so grateful that, you know, there are lots of things like that. At the end of a day, if you wrap up, you can, you can say to yourself, oh, thank gosh, I did this or that, or I had courage, or I had patience, or I had, or that person had patience with me or what have you. And that is just living gratefully rather than trying to concoct some, some, uh, like you said, some hard to pin down gratefulness routine. I, I just like to end the day looking back and saying, hey, gee, that worked out pretty good. There we go. And what's one action step you can take right now to really reach that 25% of people and get them if they're mine? Yeah. Well, right now, just to be just to be totally transparent, um, we have not worked very hard to get out in front of millions. Um, we wanted to have the goodness exchange exactly the way we wanted it before we started putting it out there because we think so much is on the line in the world as far as uh, our being trustworthy, our having everything nailed down so that it provides people with the kind of place that they feel they feel darn lucky to to have access to every day. Um, so right now we're going out into the world of marketing and the thing that I need to happen is I need millions of people to know that we exist. Not that everyone is looking for what we're doing, but there are millions of people who's, who would feel taller, <laughs> who would walk taller after knowing that this slice of reality exists. Um, so that's what I need next. I need millions of people to know we exist so that we can help the world open a new chapter. There we go. And our last question requires a bit of pretext. And I think you've already kind of answered it, but we want to reiterate it real quick. Um, you know how there are people who have a really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, they're not willing to accept change. Sometimes they live their whole life like that, and sometimes, unfortunately, they'll die like that. Other times, they'll change to more of a growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that change? Um, going, uh, people going from one kind of mindset about change to the next? Yeah, from, you know, from looking at life with a really fixed mindset, to looking oh. at life with a really like growth mindset, I'm accepting help, I'm accepting change now. What's the catalyst? Yeah. So I think the difference is making decisions from a position of fear versus making decisions from a position of love. So whenever I'm trying to make a decision, you know, that cre fear creeps in. Oh no, um, you know, should I tell my kids to, to go to school during the pandemic or or not? Should I tell them to take a gap year, right? So if I make that, if I give that recommendation to my kids and I'm paying 70,000 a year for their college education. <laughs> so this is not like without, you know, real implications, right? Yeah. If I make that decision from a position of fear, um, for instance, one could say, oh, well, they won't, um, they won't get, a, a real college experience out of this year. So they might as well take the pandemic off and a gap year. Um, that is making a decision from a position of fear, what I think they won't get, what I think won't happen or so forth. But I make it from, if I make that same decision or recommendation to them from a position of love, um, I will say, um, you, I know you, you love life. I know that you, you love the opportunity. My kids have traveled all over the world with us since they were toddlers. You know, um, you, you can't do that during the pandemic, this very thing that most people would 
put in the category of taking a gap year, go travel, put on a backpack and go live in youth hostels all over the world. You can't do that during a pandemic. So what is, what is the, what is a loving thing that you can do? What do you love that you can do during the pandemic? Not what do you fear will happen or won't happen, but what do you love? And so when I make my recommendations to my kids, I say, Hey, what do you love? And then, and then make that decision. And you know what? My kids love that my, my son, that's um, a college senior. Um, he loves people. He loves um, interaction. He loves social, the socialness of college. And you know, they, he went, he, they went and they, <laughs> they went, he actually lived in a dorm and still went to class online and he got to be around his buds and he got to, he plays basketball for a, a college, a university, and he got to have all that interaction and so forth. And so he did what he loved. So he made a decision based on love, not fear. And so I really think that's the, that's the advice I would give people is when they're making a big decision, decide which, which position you're using to make this. And when you make decisions out of love, you can almost always live with the consequences. But when you make decisions based on fear, very often um, how things turn out, you will have some regrets. Awesome. I love that. Well, Dr. Linda, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh huh. Great. I'm glad to be here. I'm delighted that you're doing this. You are part of that wave of goodness and progress that I'm talking about. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Dr. Linda had to say, make sure to check her out. Where is the best way to reach you? Yes, I would say, you know, go to the Goodness Exchange. You can see my podcast there that called the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. Um, you can find articles there that are <laughs> crazily inspiring about new perspectives and people who are doing cool things in the world. And um, so you can contact me there too. There we go. And as we always ask, send this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.